As many of you know, Blessed Anne Catherine Hemrick is one of my favorite saints. She's in some ways kind of too hot to handle. As you read through her biography, a lot of people quit right off the bat because the supernatural with her began at the, from her mother's womb. She just was a child prodigy in the spirit realm and remained so through the years of her life, spending the last few years of her life living uh, in her sickbed with the stigmata and other various supernatural ailments. One of the things that she really looked forward to in, in, in the midst of her life of suffering, her whole life was an oblation given to God as a victim soul. So our suffering is nothing compared to what she has endured. But she wouldn't complain about any of her suffering. She would lay in her bed and she would will, willingly take on whatever suffering God would grant her. And then through that suffering, great graces would be released to the people she was suffering for, to the church or whatever it might be, in ways not seen to us, which is a good lesson and aside that whatever suffering that we endure for the love of God and the love of neighbor because of God, great graces are released from that. As long as we don't complain, then we wipe it all away. But Anne Catherine, one of the things that she loved, it was that every year the Lord would take her in spirit to the Holy Land, take her to Nazareth and Jerusalem and Bethlehem, etc. And every year for years in a row, she got to experience the whole nativity thing. She got to experience Joseph and Mary traveling from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. She got to see them, you know, setting up camp in the cave outside of Bethlehem the birth of Jesus, the angels, and all these other things. And she was able to experience this year after year after year, something that she really, really looked forward to, and something that she deserved, given the amount of suffering that, that God had put upon her. Memories make the past come alive in Anne Catherine's situation. It's as if the past were still alive. Is if in the Holy Land every year uh, the nativity is still happening, that Jesus is still being born every year in Bethlehem. That's what it was like to her. And there's something about that that's really strange that is kind of true, and I'll get to that in a moment. But memories make the past come alive. When we think back in our life, there are just multiple things we think of. People do this all the time, regaling stories from their past. And as we do so, it seems to come alive, as if it's present now. Certainly the feelings can be present now, whether the good feelings or bad feelings. Uh, this morning before one of the Masses, I, I forget how I got onto this, but I was talking to the altar boys before the 8.30 Mass. And I was reminded of an instance as a child that would have been four or five years old. Four or five, four probably. And I'd gotten a hold of a little magazine called Guidepost. There's a little magazine about just that big. And on the front cover was a little boy walking on the beach. And I wanted to go to this place, the beach. And I couldn't quite remember ever having gone there before. But I had a sense I had, but I couldn't quite remember. But I wanted to go there. And so I had this, and I showed it to my mom and said, Can, can I go there? Can we go there? And she was kind of non-committal, sort of, that was my mom, non-committal sort of thing. And I, but I saved it. I, I hid it away in my room, and I presented every few weeks or months to my mom and keep showing her the picture of the beach. Can we go there? Sort of, this is how you know, kids get Christmas presents. You just nag and nag and nag, and they finally break down. 
but that was the idea. And finally one day she said, yes, I think, I think we'll go there. And then as a child, I have no concept of time. I don't know what that means, but we're going to go there. And then finally the time comes uh, where we're going to be going to the beach. But that week I got a cold and I was sick. And when you're little, you know, that can just wipe you out. And, but I was recovering from it. And I was up and about again and still had sniffles or whatever it was. And, and uh, we were packing up to go to the beach. <clears throat> And I noticed mom wasn't packing, and she wasn't packing my little suitcase either. And I was like, well, what's going on here? Anyway, as it turns out that uh, my mother didn't want me to go because I was recovering from the cold. I think what it was, my dad was just too overwhelmed with all of my older siblings. And I was just too too young and going to need too much of his attention. But anyway, they're packing up the van to go, and I'm not going, and I... Uh, when they drove off, I, I lost it. I just completely lost it. I, I just started screaming, just screaming. And I hit the floor and I was spinning. I was in just, just complete annihilation of wanting to go. 48 years of therapy later, I'm perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. But as I relate that, I remember it. I remember it so clearly and I can feel it. I could feel the pain. And they're just the sheer terror of childhood, of, of being left out kind of thing. Memories can make the past come alive, especially when it comes to God. Especially when it comes to God. What do I mean by that? Well, at the Mass, every Mass that we celebrate, we go back to Calvary. Calvary is hidden under the form of the Last Supper that we celebrate here. But it's Calvary that we're actually entering into. We're not crucifying Jesus every time we go to Mass. No, we're entering into the one never-ending sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary. And why can we enter into the one never-ending sacrifice of Christ on Christ Calvary? Because He's God. Jesus is God. No beginning and no ending. And He's not bound by the laws of time that He and the Father and the Holy Spirit created. So God is ever-present through time past, present, and in the future, God is already there. He's already there. And so in the Mass, we literally pull back the veil of time and enter into eternity, going to Calvary as Jesus is offered to the Father for the redemption of the human race. It's more than a memory. It's an entering into what has been and what will always be in eternity. In eternity, Jesus is always being incarnated at, any, at every moment in his mother Anne's womb, in his mother Mary's womb. He's always at every moment being born in Bethlehem. He's always at every moment dying on Calvary. He's always at every moment rising from the dead. He's always at every moment ascending into heaven. He is God. He is eternal. It's all now and forever for him. All right. So getting back now to Christmas. What's going on with Christmas that in every year we anticipate the coming birth of Jesus? Didn't he already, wasn't he already born? Why are we doing this? Why are we kind of reacting, reenacting his birth every year? What's happening there? Well, what's happening there is what's happening with Aunt Catherine Emmerich. God is so good to us that he lets us enter every year into the nativity, the nativity that never ends, 
the coming of the Messiah that never ends, the Savior who never stops saving. It's not in the past. His birth is now, and it's in the future too, never ending. But here's the thing about human nature. Human nature is that we just don't simply appreciate what we've got. We take things and people for granted that are in our lives. We just do. We just do. I picked up two kittens last summer. They're about six months old now. And they're already taking me for granted. It's just human nature. It's just like, look for all that I do for you. And you still get into the flowers and knock them over. And what the... You know, and I never catch them, so it's not like I can punish them and they would understand. It's like, oh, jeez. But we just take God for granted, don't we? Jesus, honestly, is being born every day. Every day he's withering on the cross at Calvary. Every day he's gloriously rolling back the stone and rising from the tomb. Every day he is ascending with the angels into heaven. And honestly, every day... He's coming again with the angels of heaven. But we just forget that. Instead, it's like, well, in two weeks' time, Jesus will be here. He will. He will. And that's a special time. But he's here right now, too. And he's always here right now with everyone. And he's here in the car, and he's here at your home, and he's, he's here at work. He's here in your bedroom, in your bathroom. He's everywhere all the time. So this is what we can do. Instead of getting kind of riled up to prepare to meet Jesus in two weeks, we can just make sure we meet him every day in prayer. That we just make a commitment to pray every day. And by that I don't just mean the little prayer before a meal, but some time every day to pray, to be with him, to love on him. And let him love on us. As much time, the hours a day that we spend looking at screens, our smartphone screen, our computer screen, our TV screens, can we give a little bit of time for spiritual reading? Given all the hours that we're doing screen time and being worldly and the spirit of the world and all that, can we just turn it back, just dial it down a bit to create the time and the space for daily spiritual reading? Most people don't ever read the Bible. It's God's greatest, it's just an incredible gift that God has given us. God has revealed himself there. Or in other great Catholic spiritual readings like the lives of the saints, and Catherine Emmerich, etc. In these kinds of ways, we're constantly, like with Anne Catherine, journeying to be with Jesus. We're constantly in communion with him and offering him our lives. And beautiful grace-filled things are happening in our lives when we spend them with our Lord. And then through our lives, beautiful and grace-filled things are happening for others who never think to spend any time with Jesus.